today on two sea fans. Depends on whatever's growing on Algae them. growing on them. Yep, <laughs> algae, barnacles, depending on what type of water they're in. A rolling determines. stone gathers no moss. A manatee <laughs> gathers quite a bit of algae. <laughs> Although they sometimes can roll, right? <laughs> yep, they roll. Hello and welcome to Two Sea Fans at Moat, your podcast for marine science, conservation, and education here at Moat Marine Laboratory in Sarasota, Florida. I'm Haley Rutger. And I am Joe Nicholson. And we are here with an awesome guest to tell us about uh, an awesome animal that I know a lot of you love. Um, That's man. awesome squared. It is awesome squared. We've never <laughs> had that before. She's double, double awesome. <laughs> Thank you for pointing that out, Joe. Hello, double awesome. Hello. Hello. <laughs> <laughs> so what's your name and title, Double Awesome? <laughs> um, my name is Sherry Barton. I'm a senior biologist in the Manatee Research Program here at Moat Marine Lab. Awesome. Again. That's triple awesome. Awesome cubed. Right? Awesome cubed. Awesome cubed? Uh-huh. Wow. You need thanks. to find a new word. <laughs> I do. <laughs> I'm starting to sound old. Um, so, Sherry, where are you from and how did you end up working in the Manatee Research Program here? Oh, I'll bet she's from somewhere up north. No, I'm actually from here. Really? Yeah. From Sarasota? From Bradenton. Really? Yeah, born and raised. Goodness Third gracious. Third generation Floridian. Dang. Yep. We actually have a native? Mm-hmm. Joe, I'm a native. You've known that, right? Mm. <laughs> you just don't seem like a native to really? me. Really? You seem like some kind of... And anyway, I digress. <laughs> wow. <clears throat> That's okay. awesome, Sherry. I, I, I had no idea. You just said awesome. Uh, I did. I gotta stop using Good job. That. Good job. So you're from Bradenton, and uh, have you been working in manatee research for a long time? Or well, hold on. What high school did you go to? <laughs> Southeast. Really? Uh-huh. What was their mascot? Seminole. Really? Yeah. So, Sherry, how did you end up working in uh, manatee research here at Moat? Um, well, I was getting ready to graduate from college and wasn't quite sure what I wanted to do. And the field that I was kind of dabbling in in college, I realized at the last minute, wait, I don't think I really want to do that. So since I'm from here, knew about Moat, I applied for an internship, and then I've been here ever since. Who did you intern with? In the Manatee program. No, but who was it? Jessica. Well, Kelsch. okay, yeah, Kelsch. Mm-hmm, huh. mm-hmm. Yep, she was neat. Yeah, well, that uh, the Manatee program has been around a long time, and you're one of many people who interned at Moat and then had kind of like a, a lifelong uh, sort of career come out of it, which is kind of cool. So, like, who, before we talk about the research you do, let's talk about manatees, because most of our listeners have probably heard of manatees. Most of them have probably seen a manatee, but for those who visit us from out of state... Giant sea ticks. Oh. Sea ticks? I yes. guess they are. They have a big body and a little head. (laughs) And the the coloration looks like some ticks, yeah. Yeah. But a lot of people find them cute. Um, What actually are manatees? Where do they look like? Where do they live? Manatees are large aquatic mammals. Um, The species of manatees that we have here are West Indian manatees. And in the United States, it's a subspecies of the West Indian manatees. So it's Florida manatees that we have here. I don't know, an average manatee is about 1,000 pounds, um, 10 feet long. Mm. They're large, gray in color, but sometimes they look maybe brown or green or whatever because they have, it depends on whatever's growing on them. Algae growing on them. Yeah, (laughs) algae, barnacles, depending on what type of water they're in. A rolling stone gathers no moss. A manatee (laughs) gathers quite a bit of algae. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> Although they sometimes can roll, right? <laughs> yeah, they roll. 
Yeah. Mm-hmm. So and so they they live in our mostly shallow waters, right? Yep, they live in the coastal like um, estuarian estuarian rivers. Yep, they can live in either uh, salt water, brackish water, fresh water. Some of my first experiences seeing manatees as a kid in the wild were in freshwater springs, mm-hmm. where they were hanging out during winter. Yep. So that's a and that's a cold stress avoidance, right? Yeah, they um, they're not really able to tolerate temperatures lower than sixty eight degrees. So whenever in the winter, whenever it starts getting colder, they'll migrate to warmer water. And nowadays, there's power plants and other sources of artificial warm water that they'll go to. But historically, what they used to do is they would either go to the to the warmer springs or they would travel south to where it was a little bit warmer. Now, when you say warmer springs. That's uh, okay, that's, well. that's 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 uh, <laughs> seventy-two yeah. degrees. Yeah, or seventy-two so. degrees is generally what they are. Yeah. But con- that's still within what they can tolerate for yeah, the winter. It's warm yeah, but enough that's for them. Not warm enough for me. me no, me either. No, no, yeah. no we all agree. No. <laughs> <laughs> so, like, so these animals are, I remember, threatened under the endangered species list. Um, when an animal is threatened. Um, but also important in its ecosystem, like we have to do a lot of research, right, to understand its life and, and the challenges it faces. So on that note, can you tell us a little bit about what the Manatee Research Program here does? Yeah, um, at Moat, when, when we first started studying manatees at Moat, so this was back before my time, but or back before when I was here, it started off with aerial surveys. So I think in 84, 85, they started doing aerial surveys over- And you literally get in an airplane, you go up and you look for manatees. Yep, Yep. fly over, uh, look for manatees in the coastal waters, wherever they could be, and then they plot them on maps where they are. And they can also try to determine a little bit about behavior, what habitat type they're in. And so they use those to get a general idea of abundance. So how many manatees are out there? What areas are they using? Mm -hmm. Yeah. And it's, you never know if you're seeing them all. So you get an idea, but you don't know the true population. Yeah, that's, that's correct. Because it depends on the weather conditions, how much glare there is, um, Water conditions, dark, murky water, you're not really going to be able to see into very well to see how many manatees are out there. Um, also, if there's trees covering the waterway, that's going to block what you're going to be able to see. So there's there's hindrances. So it really just gives you a minimum count. Yeah. It's, it's not able to tell you exactly how many animals are out there. Yeah, yeah. But on a really good day, I seem to remember there being sites near warm water power plant outflows or something where you'd see hundreds or even over a thousand. Yeah, the yeah. one over a thousand, those are usually on the East Coast. There's mm. a power plant over there on the East Coast where they, they get those high counts. Yeah, absolutely. Well, that's a cool site. Um, and then today, I mean, you guys do a whole lot more than just the aerial surveys. Right, yep. Yeah. So aerial surveys are, are one uh, project that we do, and the other main one is photo ID. Mm-hmm. And that's where um, you go out and pretty much you take, you find manatees, you take pictures of them, and you're documenting individuals. And how do you how do you tell them apart? Most manatees have scars, some sort of scar or mutilation on them, and a lot of times those are pretty unique shapes or patterns that will be on the manatees and those scars, and so we can use those to identify individuals. And so you take a picture of that, and that way you're able to document that animal, and then you can, if you don't recognize it right away, but you can go back and, and it's like look a through a catalog, essentially, yeah, and match it up. 
Yeah, it's can... it's interesting and also kind of sad that that's what we rely on. Uh, that it's it's boat strike scars most of the time, right? Mo- yep. Well, because they have to most come to the, the surface to breathe, mm-hmm. and so they. That's where we are. Yeah. And, and most times they're in shallow water because they're feeding in grass beds, mm. and grass beds are normally in shallower water. Now, this might not be in your wheelhouse, but I heard that manatees actually have pretty good hearing, or is that not true? Um, I think they do have decent hearing, but the problem is is being able to localize and figure out whenever you're in shallow water. Think about when you're out in the water and you're swimming in the bay or in the beach and you, you can hear a boat coming, but you can't quite tell where it's coming from. Mm, yeah. And then it's through studies what they've determined is manatees, their natural in- instinct is to go from that shallow water area over to a deeper water area. Mm. So a lot of times that ends up being a channel. Where the boat is, yeah. Yep, and <sighs> sometimes they end up going into the path of the boat without even realizing uh. it. That's why you got to respect those uh, slow speed zone, slow speed zone signs. Uh, they're there for a reason. Mm-hmm. Manatee speed humps. Uh huh. Yeah. So th- so that you <laughs> slow down and don't use the manatee as your speed bump, right? So, and they're out there. They're eating seagrass. Are they are they solely um, herbivorous? They're mainly herbivorous, uh-huh. but they opportunistically or they inadvertently will eat small animals like. Uh, Ooh tunicates, some invertebrates that are growing on the seagrass or within the seagrass bed. Yep. There have been some that people have documented actually eating crab, yes. Mm -hmm. And I've heard that there's some place down in the Keys, some marina where people have gotten videos of manatees eating the discarded fish at marinas. Really? Like the clean fish? Yep. Huh. Interesting. I've wow. heard that, but I don't. I don't know for sure. They are not Urban truly you know, <laughs> yeah. herbivores. I could be swimming out there one time and then attacked by a manatee, <laughs> a flesh-eating manatee. Don't say that. They are essentially herbivores. We'll say, and mm-hmm. they're eating seagrass. They're they're probably um, supporting seagrass beds with that cropping of the grass, right? Mm-hmm. Yeah. So let's uh, hear a little bit more about photo ID of manatees. So what what kind of data do you get from that? What is it used for? Well, photo ID is actually a, a type of capture recapture project. And those types of projects, those types of data sets are used to get population estimates. So normally what would happen or typically what would happen with those types of research projects is someone would go out to some species of animal, right? or some species, and they would mark them in some way, either with some sort of tag or band or something like that. But manatees, since they have these scars, these natural markings on them, we don't need to actually capture them and mark them. They already have those marks on them. And so the captures, in the case of manatees, is the photo of those scars. So that's how we're capturing them. And then whenever we see them again and get more photos, that's the recapture part of it. So then those data are put into statistical models, and that's how you're able to get, you know, population estimates, um, reproductive rates. The big one that that it's used for right now are survival rates. So how how likely is a manatee to survive from one year to the next? Yeah, that's pretty important if you were going to try to model, like, what's going on with the population. Mm -hmm. Um, and it goes, there's a big database of this, uh, these photo ID um, captures, uh, and Moat is 
part of kind of a long-standing effort, right? Yeah, it's it's called MIPS. It's the Manatee Individual Photo Identification System. It's it's managed mostly by the U.S. Geological Survey Sirenia Project. So that's where it's housed, and then it's a partnership between them, Florida Fish and Wildlife Conservation Conservation Commission, and Moat Marine Lab. Yeah. So. Those three agencies or organizations are what manage that database. And so data from around the state, you know, photo ID data, sighting data go into that database. And then it's that database, which is mine, to do these population estimates. Yeah, that's that's like the wellspring of uh, of essential manatee data for Florida. You can't, like, underestimate how important that is. (laughs) Not at all. Oh, my God. So um, you... We had heard that you you guys, your program is working on habitat studies, too. Can you tell us why you would study the habitats manatees use and what you're doing to study them? Yeah, it's to get an idea of, you know, if you're seeing manatees in a certain spot routinely, just to get an idea of, okay, why is it, why do they go to that why spot? Why do they like it? Yeah. Yes, why do they like that spot, and why do they not like this spot that seems similar? What's going yeah. on between the two places? I like my office because it has a window. <laughs> Joe likes his office probably because it's quiet. Yes. <laughs> we have habitat use patterns. <laughs> but uh, but for real. But uh, So what kind of things do you have to look at? Like what aspects of the habitat? Um. Some of the studies that we're doing in more recent years is is mostly different winter habitats. So looking at, um, there's been a few canal systems that we've gone into and, and done studies in those. And manatees will, in the winter, since they do need to go and find warmer water, water they'll either go to usually either a spring or a power plant. Those are the two main areas. But they'll also go to these what are called secondary sites. And those are either boat basins or canal systems that are able to hold water more pass hold warmer water more passively. Mm. So they heat up during the day and yeah. then it may take a little longer for the cooler temperatures to affect that water in there and then cool it down. Mm. And a lot of times those places end up being closer to foraging areas. There's um, a few down where we do our winter work down in the Fort Myers area, and the power plant that's down there, it's pretty far away from any any place where there's food for them to eat. So whenever they're at that power plant, they're pretty much just fasting the whole time. If they get really hungry, they'll eat the, the mangrove leaves that are hanging down lower. Huh. But generally, they're fasting, and then whenever it's really cold, that's where they are. They're up at the power plant, they're fasting, but then whenever it warms up a little bit, they'll go to these secondary sites, and those are closer to the grass beds. And they and they don't have blubber, so they don't they can't like rely on a source of blubber to to feed off of or anything like that. Correct. Yeah. No. So they, they just have, have a very eating. thin layer of fat, and then it's it's kind of in between muscle layers. But yeah, they, you're correct. They don't have a blubber layer, so. To stay warm, they need to stay in warmer water. Um, they'll also bask at the surface of the water yeah. to get the, the heat the from, heat the, from sun. the sun. Mm-hmm. Can they sunburn them? You would imagine if they're mammals, right? Maybe. That's a good question. I don't really have an answer to that. They have a really thick, tough skin. skin. Yeah, yeah, it's, it's like re- an elephant. It is like an elephant, yep. And they kind of slough their skin periodically or something like that? They do, yeah. And then a lot of times they have... Um, 
algae and barnacles growing on them as well. So maybe that helps protect a little bit more. It's like when the elephants roll in mud. Joe, are you going to do a study? I think I'm going to study. No. No. <laughs> they can also keep warmer, though, by, you know, if they're swimming, then that's generating some body heat, but then also with their gut mm-hmm. because they're... They're gassy. Well, yeah, and they're they're fermenting all of that yeah. plant material that they're eating, uh-huh. so they've got that heat of fermentation oh, that yeah. helps warm them up a little bit, too. Oh, yay. Fermentation <laughs> furnace. Nobody yeah. light a match around a, a, a herd of manatees. <laughs> <laughs> So uh, before we move on from the the photo ID stuff, um, I wanted to ask about, you know, you've documented some of these animals for a really long time. Joe, do you want to guess, like, how long some of, some of their longest ones have been seen? Hmm. I heard about this. What do you mean their longest ones? They've documented like some. the really long manatees? Or no, 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 no. What's the longest the ones they've seen one manatee? Seen an individual manatee. Okay, because there's a difference. Okay. <laughs> Which one do you think? <laughs> I'm thinking uh, you're talking about the longest they've seen an individual manatee, and I'm going to say 20 years. You're getting there. 20, are you talking about that moat? Yes. Yeah. That yeah. moat have yeah. documented? Yeah. Okay. You're close, but a little bit longer, actually. Really? Yeah. Mm-hmm. Huh. Yeah, because we have some that were first documented by moat staff in... Um, I think 89, 1989, and then we still have, we still see them really? today. Mm-hmm. Wow. And then most of them, though, so our photo ID project really started in 1993. Mm. Before that, it was just kind of opportunistic here and there. There wasn't really a manatee research program yeah. before that. So if you had had it, like, if there had been that structure program back then, you probably even have a bunch more of cases like that, maybe. Maybe, yeah. But there's also a lot that have died yeah. that have been documented as, as dead since then. Oh, yeah. And, like, mm-hmm. and it's kind of important to figure out, like, oh, in the state of Florida, the, the Florida Fish and Wildlife Conservation Commission is, I understand, the lead on, like, looking into those cases and where we help them um, and collaborate with them, right? Yeah, because all of the manatees that die in the state, they go to FWC and they're, they're necropsied by them. So animal autopsy. Mm-hmm. They do, the same people do all of them. And that way they can look for trends, patterns, and in, in, in mortality, things that are going on. Yeah, and like we, we just had a bad red tide year, so we saw manatees die from red tide. Um, what are all the, what are the issues if you had to give us like a short list uh, and are there any that we can really help with? <laughs> the issues that, that causes a manatee mortality? Yeah, or just just damage the population in some way, whether lethal or sublethal. Just like what are the things that challenge conservation of them? Uh, well, there's the human-related causes, and watercraft mortality is a big cause of manatee death. There's also loss of habitat. Again, human. Again, Again. Human, right? It's, it's mm-hmm. all us, yeah. Um, well, some of it's us. There's also the natural ones that occur pretty frequently are, as you mentioned, red tide. And we've had, in the last just few years and even last year, really big uh, die-offs because of red tide. Yeah. There's also cold stress. Um, mm. I think the last big cold stress event was what 2010 2011 when it got really cold it in was Florida. yeah 2010 was pretty yeah we remember that because both manatees and snook snook had a hard time <laughs> yeah <laughs> and that probably was a, that a lot was a brutal of brutal year a lot of other things too yeah because yeah, if you think about it whenever manatees go to power plants 
The power plants are usually only increasing the water temperature by what, eight to 10 degrees? If that, yeah. Yeah, so it's it's helping in a, in a normal winter, a mild winter, but in a really cold winter, like like yeah, those two winters, yeah, yeah it's, it's still not raising en- the water temperature enough. And then yeah. they also need to go out and feed at some point too. So ones that may be trying to go out and feed real quick or something, yeah. it might. And the young and the old will uh, be the first to go, I would imagine. Mm-hmm. Uh, so we can, I understand that, you know, obviously we can help by being careful with our boating. That's a big one um, because that's a big percentage of the mortalities are from the watercraft, right? And then, I mean, we can help, I guess, if we're working on keeping habitats suitable for them, if we're kind of paying attention to that issue. <laughs> um, would you say that those are, and other than that, I mean, we can also help by just leaving manatees alone, right? <laughs> yeah, exactly. Because yeah. we see these uh, on a later note, we see manatees um, uh, being amorous with each other every year, <laughs> and people get interested. And During know mating season. Oh, my, those manatees are stranding. Yeah. Well, they don't really have a, a true mating season. It can be year-round. Really? Really, yeah. I did not know that. I mm-hmm. thought there was a true manatee mating season. No, there's huh. not. But you see mating herds more often in the warmer months. Yeah. And then particularly around here, we get reports all the time on the beaches and stuff of manatees. Stranding. Manatees, of manatees stranding, yeah, yeah. because Quote, unquote, manatees don't have just a single mate. It's usually one female, and then a bunch however of guys. many males want to follow her around and try to try to mate with her. So, And those are called ma- so manatee mating herds. Mommy, they're trying to push that manatee up onto the beach. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, and really what's happening there is the female is just trying to rest. So yeah. she has sometimes over 20 males trying to mate with her at one time. <laughs> one female and... Yeah, we see it frequently where there's over 20 males trying to mate with her. So it's happening out in the water, too. But imagine that many other manatees piled on top of you. Mm -hmm. After a while, she's going to want to take a rest or try to do something to alleviate some of that. So It's hard being desirable. (laughs) (laughs) So, yeah, a lot of times the female will go into shallower water, and then around here it ends up being... Yeah. We see it up on the beach or near yeah. the beach, and so it's very popular beaches around here. And so there ends up being a lot of people that are seeing this, and they get concerned, or people are just curious and want to get close. And so, yeah, it'll end up where people are trying to touch them or swim with them. or. And you're not supposed to approach any closer than how far from a manatee is it 50 feet 50 yards i think it's something like I think that with the it? marine mammal protection act which they're protected under i think it's 50 yards 50 but there's yards. no real clear if you look up stuff about manatees and how far to stay away it's there it's there's no real that's why we have the internet uh, we've tried looking before. Yeah, see? So somebody needs to get on that and make it a little bit clearer. For, like, but a good, but like yeah. I said, in the Marine Mammal Protection Act, I think it's at least 50 yards mm-hmm. for all marine mammals. And then depending on whales and stuff, obviously it's it's further away. We shouldn't be within a stick's poke. Although sometimes if you're... Yes. Sometimes. <laughs> <laughs> don't poke anything. Sometimes if you're kayaking, you might be lucky enough that a manatee comes up under you. And if that's the case, then you just enjoy it. But you don't... Uh, do anything with it right and manatees are very curious animals they're very gentle animals and yeah you're right if you're out kayaking and you're quiet 
there's a pretty good chance if you're an air, in an area where there are manatees that they will come over to your mm-hmm. to you. Um, just to just check you out. Just to check you out, right. Yeah. But what you don't want to do is go chase after them, intentionally try to mm-hmm. touch them, just let them come to you. Same with we see people in boats a lot, and they'll go into these areas where we are, and we'll see manatees, and we'll be collecting data on them, and we'll see a boater come over, and they'll come right up to them and then leave their engine running. Yeah. Uh-huh. And the manatees will stay down the whole time. And they're like, why would they come up? Exactly, yeah. <laughs> well, so if you just turn your engine off and sit quietly, eventually yeah. they'll come up, and then you will be able to see them. We need more of those flesh-eating manatees. You know, sometimes... <laughs> that, they'll fight back. Sometimes we wish that was the case. Yeah, because <laughs> so many people know that manatees mm-hmm. are gentle, and they're not... Go- they're really not... Well, let me take that back. They think that they're not going to hurt them. So we sometimes wish... Maybe if they bit, then we could have these stories. See. Oh, stay back because they bite. They bite. Like a dolphin that bites, they dolphins will bite. Yeah, Exactly, yeah. But these manatees that are in these mating herds on the beach, for example, mm-hmm. what we try to tell people when we do go out there and we're trying to educate the public and give them some information about what's going on and how to behave around manatees, um, one of the things that we try to let people know is, yes, those manatees may be laying on the beach at that moment because the males are sitting there kind of waiting for the female to follow what she's going to do but that female once those males start being a little more aggressive aggressive with her which they're not really aggressive but as they you know they're trying a little harder she'll tend to get annoyed and she'll start bucking Mm. and then once she does the whole group will start bucking well Mm. if people are too close they can get knocked down they can get sucked in under that big group of of thousand plus pound manatees yeah that's not good they can drown get injured and we've seen people trying to put their kids on on manatees backs that's wild that's crazy yes because they think oh there's these nice gentle animals look how cute this will be to get my toddler's picture on their back but they don't realize that they're really putting themselves in danger trying to have that well, see that kind moment of, with nature. That kind of that kind of <laughs> that, that kind of leads up to like, you know, the, one of the other questions is: Do you have any interesting stories? <laughs> yeah, <laughs> I bet she does. <laughs> <sighs> that was one already. Are right? there any others that are that are unusual happenings you've encountered with manatees, or weird questions you've gotten? Weird questions? Oh, we've definitely gotten weird <laughs> questions. That's it. Um, good. <laughs> the weirdest one that I've ever gotten. So the power plant down in Fort Myers that I was talking about earlier. So where it's situated, it's discharge canal. Lee County put a, a park there. So it's called Lee County Manatee Park. Well, you can go there in the winter when it's cold, and you can actually see manatees in this discharge canal. And we'll go there, and we'll do photo ID from there. Mm-hmm. It's a great spot to get photos. And the manatees will kind of just sit at the surface and then drift down the canal with the current. Sometimes they're floating forwards. Sometimes they're floating backwards. I had a woman one time ask me if manatees' eyes were on their tails. (laughs) (laughs) I had to ask her to repeat the question because I was like, there's no way I just heard this right. And she thought it was because the manatee was floating backwards. (laughs) 
Its eyes were on its tail, and that was so it could see movie. where it was going. Yeah. You know, it made sense to her. <laughs> well, she, you know, maybe she's used to. I don't know. Invertebrates might have eyes or light sensing spots and weird spots, but uh, I don't know about mammals. <laughs> yeah. First time to Florida. Perhaps uh-huh. we can't falter for that. I guess I'll, yeah. I'm going to Pittsburgh soon. I'll probably ask some silly questions when I get up there. So. Well, that was really, really, really fun and fascinating. Thank you, Sherry. <laughs> and uh, <laughs> is there anything else that you wanted to mention before we wrap up for today? Um, I don't know. Any warning to the people? Stay away from the manatees. Oh, uh, we, or they will eat you know you. what we didn't say is don't, uh, don't feed wild manatees, obviously. Don't give them water. <laughs> oh, yeah, yeah. yeah. You don't nope. want to feed them. You don't want to give them water. They're able to find beer? what they need. No. No. <laughs> no. Probably not beer either. No. But they're able to find what mm. they need on their own. And if you're giving them food or water, you're just teaching Break- them bad behavior. The law. You're breaking the law, you're actually. breaking the yes. law, man. And a lot of people don't realize that Dude, putting putting your hose stop doing that. at your dock in the water yeah. so a manatee will come over. That's You're, you're breaking the law, man. You are breaking the law. It is illegal. And it's it, not good. It's just it's like not. any other wild animal. It's like con- conditioning a bear to come and eat your trash. Exactly. Yeah, you don't mm-hmm. want that. No. No, because the flesh-eating manatees are coming. <laughs> <laughs> they might be. Uh-huh. These, these yes. uh, primarily herbivorous mammals yes. that, well, uh, are you going to dress up as a flesh-eating I manatee think, for I Halloween? Think that may be my Halloween costume. This We've year. had at least one pumpkin um, that our staff carved that was a carnivorous manatee. Yes, was, was it last year? Maybe. Was that you guys? Yeah. We usually <laughs> try to do <laughs> But yes, for the yeah. moat uh, staff pumpkin carving contest. That's yeah. it. We usually try to do something manatee related for yeah. that. I like that one. That was memorable. Well, uh, this has been a lot of fun. I hope everyone uh, who's listening learned uh, a lot about manatees. And you can find out more on our website. And if you don't have luck um, seeing a manatee from a distance in the wild, you can see our two resident manatees, Hugh and Buffett, at Moat Aquarium. Um, I think that's it. I think that's it. All right. We'll see you all soon for another episode of 2C Fans at Moat.